Yeah. He was the man I remembered. Charlie looked at my own hands for a minute, then up at me. The Burke he knew never had a tattoo, but he nodded, just as I had. Charlie was a tightrope dancer. Perfect balance was his survival tool. His nod told me not to worry about whether he believed the story that I was Burke's brother. By him, it was true enough. Where we live, that's the same as good enough. It's a nice story, I said, watching as he lit his third cigarette of the meat. Burke was a heavy smoker. Me? I don't smoke. Except when I need to convince someone out of my past that I'm still me. It's not my story, Charlie reminded me. Your brother. He was an ace at finding people. Best tracker in the city. I figure he must have taught you some things. Charlie never invested himself emotionally in any matches he made. He was way past indifferent. As colorless as the ice storm that grayed the window of the no-name diner where we were meeting. But Charlie had something besides balance going for him. He was a pure specialist. A middleman who never got middled. What that means is, Charlie wouldn't do anything except make his matches. Everyone in our world knows this, and for extra insurance, Charlie made sure he never knew the whole story. So if he got swept up in a net, he wouldn't have anything to trade, even if he wanted to make a deal. Sure, he could say a man told him about a problem, and he might have given the man a number to call. He liked the guy, even if he'd only met him that one time. Felt sorry for him. In Charlie's vast experience, drunks who babbled about hiring a hitman were just blowing off steam. You give them a number to call? Any number at all, even one you remembered from a bathroom wall. It helps them to play out the fantasy, that's all. What? You mean his wife's really dead? Damn. I guess you just never know, huh, officer? This guy. He must not be in a hurry, I said. I wouldn't know, Charlie replied, his mantra. It's been three weeks since you reached out. Yeah, it took you a long time to get back to me. I figured with the phone number being the same and all. Most of those calls are people looking for my brother. I can't do a lot of the things he used to do. Yeah, he said an unspoken. I don't want to know woven through his voice like the anchor thread in a tapestry. But still, three weeks, I reminded him. I mean, how do you know the guy still wants... whatever he wants? Charlie shrugged. You get paid whether I ever call him or not? Charlie lit another cigarette. He knows these things take time. You don't call, someone else will. I waited a few seconds then said, You want to write down his number for me? I'll say the number, the ferret told me. You want it on paper? You do the writing. City people call Winter the Hawk, not because of the way it swoops down, but because it hunts. It's cold enough in this town, people die. Some freeze to death waiting for the landlord to get heat back into their building. Some use their ovens for warmth, and wake up in flames. Some don't have buildings to die in. I pulled out a prepaid cell phone, bought in a South Bronx bodega from a guy who had a dozen of them in a gym bag, and punched in the number Charlie had given me, a 718 area code. 
Could be anywhere in the city except Manhattan, but a landline for sure. Hello. White male, somewhere in his forties. You were expecting my call? I said. Who are... Oh, okay, yeah. I might be able to help you, but I can't know unless we talk. Just tell me... You know the city? If you mean Manhattan, sure. You got transportation? A car? That'll do, I said. I gave him the information I wanted him to have, walked to the end of the alley I'd been using as an office, and put the cell phone on top of a garbage can. Whoever found it would see there were plenty of minutes left, probably use it to call his parole officer. I pulled a glove off my left hand, fished a metro card out of my side pocket, and dropped below the sidewalk. Charlie, said the little black man with the ageless aristocratic face.